Hello everybody and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume 10, issue 460, It's Doom Eternal. Joining me, Leon Cox, in issue 460 are Brian, Baron of Hell, Edwards. Visceral Combat Encounters, Romero. <laughs> and that's and that's you. That's your that's your closure. You're signing mm-hmm. off mm-hmm. with that. Very good. Uh, Darren Dreadnight Garget. I want to be a cacodemon. And <laughs> uh, mm, Joshua Gargoyle Garrity. Hang on. Uh, th- that'll do. That's fine. <laughs> I, I didn't want to call you the icon of sin. Um, I, mean, I mean, that's pretty cool. To be fair, <laughs> I just realised uh, I should put a spoiler warning in because this game has a story, which we'll talk a bit about. <laughs> Darren's already sighing. Uh, we'll hear from some of our correspondents on that as well. But what is Doom Eternal for the uninitiated? It is the follow-up game from id software to very doom as we call it from 2016 itself a reboot of doom from 1993 slash four or yeah seek it was a reboot more than a sequel uh so that was the but it was the fourth or fifth separate doom game depending on uh whether you count doom 64 as a separate entry uh, it is a fast and furious first-person shooter where the player plays as a mythically powerful space marine uh, who has a formidable arsenal of weapons, who destroys hordes of demons on Earth, Mars, other alien planets, and in Hell itself. The developer is id Software. Publisher Bethesda Softworks announced the game at E3 2018, with the first gameplay footage being unveiled at QuakeCon 2018. In 2019, it was announced that Doom Eternal would come to Google's Stadia streaming platform. The game was developed by id Software, with the Nintendo Switch port being developed by the Miracle Workers at Panic Button. Doom directors Hugo Martin and Marty Stratton both returned, with Martin as game director and Stratton as exec producer. That's from Wikipedia. And from the Doom Wiki, it says the game is called Doom Eternal rather than Doom 2 to avoid confusion with the original Doom 2 Hell on Earth. However, the main menu music is a remix of the opening to Hell from Doom 2. I guess we've uh, slightly jumped the gun with this one in that uh, not all the DLC is out yet and neither are the expected, I think, announced next-gen console updates but frankly i think we've seen everything we need to see of this game to know what we think of it the publisher is bethesda softworks of course now part of microsoft the director as we say is hugo martin and the game is made on id tech 7 it was released for windows pc playstation 4 stadia and Xbox One on March the 20th, 2020, just under a year ago at the time of recording. It arrived on Game Pass, Microsoft's Game Pass uh, service, subscription gaming, in December 2020. And I suppose we all thought that it would probably disappear at some point, even though we have a man on the inside at Microsoft Xbox Game Pass. We don't get to find out in advance when games are ending their time on the service. But I think it's safe to say that it's going to be there forever now, which is nice. So if you if you have a Game Pass account and a PC or an Xbox on which to play it, 
it's there for you to give it a whirl. Came out on the Switch around that same time as it arrived on Game Pass, in fact, uh, but obviously not for a subscription service for probably forty nine ninety nine in in the UK, December twenty twenty. And yes, we are expecting updates to make the game even wowier on PS5 and Xbox Series consoles at some point this year. The reviews for the game, the original PC, PS4 and Xbox One versions, were very positive. 194 reviewers, 97% of which gave it a recommendation and the average score was 89%. I think that's possibly even higher as an average review score than doom 2016 but i couldn't swear to it without going back there sales wise don't know the current full tally and obviously a lot of people will have played it on game pass but super data estimated that as of march 2020 when the game was barely new out the game had sold three million digital copies worldwide but what are our histories with the game let's start with darren pre-orders the um i don't know if i had it pre-ordered or not i can't really remember that because March 2020 was a mm. was a fuzzy, hazy moment. and uh, Still is, yeah. yeah We're still there, I think. Yeah, I think we are still there. Um, anyway, yeah, <laughs> so it, it came through the door regardless of pre-order or not and because uh, I was very much a fan of Very Doom. You know, the 2016 reboot of the franchise was one of my favourites of that generation. Mm. So, yeah, I was knee-deep in the dead at this point, yep. um, you know, ready for the next one. It came alongside Animal Crossing New Horizons to, you know, yep. balance Contrast. the scales. Yeah. Mm. It was perfect. And um, they did some uh, promotional team up stuff, didn't they? Which was quite sweet mm. with, uh, with, with Isabel, Isabel from That's Animal right. Crossing and Doom Guy kind of. I bet you didn't. It took it further though, didn't they? I bet it went weird. Yeah. Slash fig. Mm, yeah. <laughs> anyway yeah so i played and i started playing it on ultra violence because that's how i like to play doom and yes. i got very red in the face about two hours in <laughs> and knocked it down to normal or yeah. whatever they call it and um yes yeah and finished the game from that point but at the end i ended up using the sentinel armor for reasons that we'll probably discuss later on and then i flew for it again on easy mode can't remember <laughs> what they're called and picked up all the collectibles apart from one which is glitched so um yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. Groovy. Uh, Brian, how about you? It's uh, almost exactly the same as Darren. Um, lover of the first game. Uh, played that first one on, on both. By the first one, I mean of Dune 2016 on uh, both PlayStation 4 and Xbox uh, One to get the achievements and trophies and stuff. I was a big fan. Um, so, yeah, this is going to be a day, per- day one purchase anyway, but uh, I think three or four days before it came out was when I was told that I shouldn't come back to work anymore. <laughs> so it became my first, like, pandemic game. So I kind of, like, just sat in shock at what was going on in the world and played nothing but Doom Eternal for a better part of a week, I would say. Um, played right through on normal. Um, did not go back to it until uh, coming back for the podcast. Didn't have, uh, much like Darren, I didn't have much of a incentive to play it on any harder difficulty than normal um mm-hmm. going back through so uh yeah that's pretty much it i was it was going to be a day one purchase for me anyway i was such a big fan of the 2016 game so josh are you a pc guy for do yeah yeah so um i mean the only real difference between um my story and brian and darren's is just the, is the format i played it on um yeah i loved uh doom 2016 um, I was day one with Doom Eternal. Ultimately, like I, I had to play this on PC just because I had become so comfortable with 
the mouse and keyboard setup with 2016. Mm. And I think we'll get into this later, but I think it did lead to me having a slightly more positive experience with certain encounters Mm -hmm. um, later on in Doom Eternal. But yeah, and I played uh, played this through on normal. I didn't dip into the uh, harder difficulties on this one. Yeah. I don't own this game. I've only played it on Game Pass. I did. I don't think I even installed it on my One X. I waited until I got my Xbox Series X before playing it for this show. And yeah, I've played it through entirely on normal. Although I did use the Sentinel uh, armor. Is that is that what it's called? Yeah. Sen- yeah, Sentinel armor for both the penultimate and final boss encounters in the end. But mm. I did uh, everything else without it. And collected absolutely everything in the game. I think 95% of which I found on my own as well. And uh, I've been back to it since to unlock the Unmaker as well. And I played a bit of the first part of the DLC today, but uh, it kind of picks up very much where the main game leaves off. I also played on normal. uh, And yeah, we'll talk about the difficulty and stuff as we get into it. But now let's hear from the first of our correspondents for this show. We've got Matt L from the forum who says in the lead up to Doom Eternal, I had reservations based on the previews and something seemed wrong in my gut. The art style seemed more cartoony. The weapons seemed less punchy. The movement lacked a certain speed. The focus on weak points seemed like an odd design choice. That being said, I allowed my love of Doom 2016 and my faith in its designers to guide me towards purchasing Doom Eternal full price on day one. I wish I'd listened to my initial gut feeling. Make no mistake, Doom Eternal is a well-made action game. The designers had a vision for it and went in for it whole hog. But to me, that vision is not and will never be Doom. Level progression in Doom is not about platforming section to shooting arena to platforming section to shooting arena. Rinse and repeat. They're about dumping you in a maze with locks and keys and you use your wits to fight through and sometimes avoid enemies. Weapons in Doom are not about ammo management by way artificially low ammo counts. You use what you pick up from the levels and from enemy drops. When you run out of ammo, you switch weapons. You don't shoot each weapon for four seconds and then chainsaw the nearest enemy to refill everything. Health in Doom is not about using multiple subsystems to refill health and armor. Use what you find in your environment and you make it work. Enemies in Doom are not about finding the glowing weak point and shooting it with a specific weapon, specific alternate firing mechanic. You come across a group of enemies and you use what you have. Sometimes you have enough shotgun shells to go buck wild with your super shotgun. Other times you have to make do with a chain gun. Multiplayer in Doom is not about asynchronous gameplay with powers and abilities. It's about pitting players on equal standing against one another. As I stated above, the creators clearly had a vision for this game. I have no problem with that. As I've said many times, when games journalists demand that FromSoft's Souls series include difficulty options, not every game is for everyone, and clearly Eternal is not for me. My frustration is Eternal's creators used Doom, the Doom name to utilise its nostalgia, legacy and pedigree, but they failed to follow its design philosophies. Hmm. Strong words, some of which I can see, some of which I'm less in alignment with. One of the first things that is often commented upon if you speak to somebody about Doom Eternal is uh, why is there so much lore in it? Sorry. (laughs) Uh, HMS Polio from our forum 
says, I was initially a bit put off by the story and lore of the game, having swapped out the uh, whatever attitude of Doom 2016 for an incredibly expansive and ludicrous noun salad. But I think that misses the point. <laughs> Doom Eternal's incomprehensible lore is a Yes album cover, a D&D manual, the back of a packet of Space Raiders. It's more, more, more for the nerdy, hyperactive child's imagination the game personifies. So, yeah, you've got lore and logs and codices and cutscenes. It would be, I think, easier to accept the lore and all the extra things if it, if Doom 2016 had that same tone. Hmm. But yeah. like the the tonal difference between the two is really is really stark. And it was one of those interesting things that like I found myself very early on, um, not to com- compare Doom 2016 to uh, uh, excuse me, Doom Eternal to another game of, of a silk, but I. I played Control not long before I played Doom Eternal, and Control was a game where I just could not stop reading all the lore, the logs, everything. It felt like it was this world-building exercise. But with Doom Eternal, I want to say it was by the second or third level, it was basically find the glowing collectible, you know, click X on it, and then just, you know, slam through to the end. I, I It just, I don't know, it, it felt out of place to me. Yeah. I, my my overall feeling on the lore was that they they took the... They took the wrong lesson from 2016, because f- my feeling on 2016 is they got it just right. Like it was just enough to be interesting and to give the world personality, um, but it didn't take itself too seriously. Uh, it didn't get you know bogged down in all the details and all the backstory. It let you you know focus on the gameplay first, and it was it was just. Like it was, you know, it trod that line really, really well. And I think they saw the reaction, everyone, you know, being positive about the approach to storytelling in 2016. And they thought, great, more, 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 the pile, pile more lore on top of it. It's like, no, like you, you're trying to, I think they're trying to appeal to people who love that, that part of, 2016 but they 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 don't understand why it worked and it's really frustrating um and there's stuff like making the doom slayer into this like much more tragic figure like they give the doom slayer a voice which i think is such mm, a mistake surprising um uh, and and try to like personify him more and make him more of a a three-dimensional character when the two-dimensional caricature in 2016 is way funnier and just way more, I don't know, way more fitting for the kind of tone those games are going for. Let's talk about how they look, uh, the graphics for this game. Uh, I mean, I think it's a pretty astounding looking game already just playing the uh playing the last gen console version Mm. on a current gen console uh still looks glorious i don't know if on xbox one x or 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 xbox one uh whether i I mean i assume it's enhanced for one x i assume the the xbox one version it would be lower resolution and uh but it's still even on Xbox One and PS base PS4. It's sixty frames, is it? Do we know? I assume it is. Well, it's a targeting it sixty FPS. Yeah. Uh, but Xbox One X and above, um, yeah, it's a it's it's a rock solid sixty frames a second mm-hmm. um, graphical presentation with um, all the bells and whistles, all the colours. Um, I think the art's uh, pretty strong. Generally, uh, it's one of those games where. 
if I just leave it still at the start of a level and you just sort of catch yourself looking at it, you think, well, that this can't move around and have loads of stuff going on because it clearly looks far too good. It's like it looks like, you know, screen. It looks like a, a screensaver, a wallpaper or something like that, a pre-render. But then you start running around in it and you realize not only that, but it can also on a technical level handle Dozens and dozens of enemies at a time, ridiculously fast movement, huge amounts of uh, particle effects and, and other effects. Uh, yeah, I'm not saying. Obviously, Josh, you played the PC version, so it might be, I'm sure you can crank it up to even higher resolutions and, and um, uh, graphical effects. But, uh, I mean, I've yeah, I, I was not playing this on Series X and thinking, no, oh, I wish we'd waited for the next gen update because it looks absolutely yeah. amazing as it is it, it looks incredible but also it's it's just incredibly well made because the, thi- the the thing that i can speak to with the pc version is comparing kind of cranking up its settings mm. versus other kind of contemporary games like yeah i can put you know push this game all the way to the you know the top of what my pc is capable of and the frame rate is still so stable. Like, it's yeah. still kind of, you know, pushing towards the 50, 60 mark consistently. Right. And then you compare it to something like Control, where mm. if you try to raise the, the settings up for that, suddenly it's like, you know, dipping Old into twenty twenties and, and yeah. stalling all the time. Like, it's just, it's not just, you know, that it's visually impressive. It's the fact that it's just the fact that it manages to look that good and is so stable. Like, it's so rock solid from start to finish. It's incredible. As much as I love the, the look of the game, especially some of the levels uh, in the DLC in particular, it, it was like you said, Leon, it's like, this can't be a real game. Like, how, how do you play this and have it look this good? <laughs> yeah. But the game's got hardly any chill. Like, it's always moving forwards at such a fast speed that you don't really get the opportunity to just sit there and take it in unless you really want to do that mm-hmm. i found because i have limited time to play these days like i wanted to try and do a level a night but that never really happened so but i didn't really have the opportunity to sit there and kind of soak in the environment around me unless you know unless i forced myself to do it because the yeah. levels are like two hours long so you kind of feel like this be. pressure yeah. to go like oh i need to kind of get through this because you know what i mean because like a the games set your adrenaline off straight away it's like someone's punched you in the arm with adrenaline and you're just like right i've got to go i've got i've got to move forward you've just got to constantly move forward so you don't really have the opportunity to poke around um i'm thinking about like doom one two and three and 64 to that degree because they're more maze like and you're going back forth back forth you know finding things and listening out for noises and stuff You, you you remember the environments more a because we've been playing the games for ages and this is only a year old so i'm not discounting that but the the kind of the backtracking nature of the earlier Doom games led to you mind mapping them better, and then then you know when you die and start again, you kind of know where to go. Whereas this, it was just like you're just bombing through it like so fast that you don't really have time to just drink it in and go, yeah, you know what? Like it is an incredible engine what they've made, but I wish at some point you know you could just just you know sit down and have a have a <laughs> tea or something just to just to well, witness it. It's what strange. I will say is, having been back through every level to scour it for collectibles, uh, that, that essentially that's what I did to to get mm. through some of the tougher later stages. I uh, when I was about 
Uh, well, no, actually, there's a there's a point in the game where it says, right, there's this is your point of no return. You can't come back and level surf after this. And then there's about another three levels and the final boss after that. So what I did when I got to that point was I started going back to level one. And you got this real power trip because you've leveled everything up mm. and and uh, you've got all you know, the full arsenal at your disposal and all your moves and everything. And at that point, it's very quick and easy to actually clear out the areas and then just start hunting for floppy disks and toys and whatever else they've squirreled away in the level that was the point where i really started to not only appreciate the environments but also where i really started to get that feeling that these were not environments that were designed for anything other than fighting or platforming in Mm, yeah yeah. (laughs) the sound design uh is something that i think uh was pretty strong in 2016 doom here, I think uh, it's uh, absolutely cracking again from my point of view. It's another of the, the games where there aren't many effects where I think oh, I wish I wish they'd gone with something else for that. Nearly everything sounds spot on, bang on. Um, the, the cacophony that you can create with a room full of enemies and, and your arsenal is uh, is something to behold. Uh, but it, it also is interesting in terms of we're talking about the tone of the game. The fact that this has some literal sort of comedy slapstick sound effects right in the middle of any fight. So you can be fighting, having this really serious showdown in a massive arena full of you know, three mancubuses and a and and two cacodemons and and and, and those an doom hunters and an arch vile and blah blah blah. Mm. And then and then you you manage to stagger. Uh, uh, a cacodemon and you jump up to it in the sky or you double air dash towards it more likely uh, and you click in the right stick to do your glory kill which is another mechanic that's very much been carried over and you get an actual kind of uh, a, a comedy wacky looney tunes popping effect yeah it's the eye pop isn't it when you pull and the i like it but yeah, it's good. it's but 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 is it, it it's 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 a choice <laughs> Yeah, there's um, a really good kind of uh, what is it? It's the blood punch, right? Not to get too far ahead in the mechanics, but when you Mm. hit the enemies and it all kind of splats around you, you hear that. I'm like, (laughs) yes, that is like peak id software. That Mm. is straight from a Quake game that hasn't been made yet. Like every time I hear that noise, Mm. I know I'm doing well. And so all the all the mechanics feed into you. Um, you know, surviving the, the, the battles. That's what it is. It's like it's like the 2016 game, but even more so. You know, you need to do this to get that and that to do this. Yeah. But it's the sounds that bring it all together to make it, you know, because you're, you're busy running around so fast that I have to rely on the sounds to make it work, yes, to feel yeah. the satisfaction. And I can't even, like, I can't even think it in my head because it is so intertwined with the gameplay. It's not like, apart from the blood punch noise and the eye popping of the cacodemon, but like all the kind of the blips and the blobs from the menu and the UI and the HUD, like the grenades recharging and the flamethrower coming back and the kind of the double jump and the, you know, all these kind of slight subtle noises are what make the game so playable for me personally. Because it's just like, as soon as I hear, I know I've got this noise, I can then do this and that. It's a very clever way of doing it without like, unlike the rest of the game, you know, it doesn't shove it in your face. It's just kind of audio noises to let your brain know that you can do the thing again, which, which is quite handy, really. Josh, you uh, did you get the, the, the requisite feedback that, that you wanted to feel and hear from this game? Yeah, I, I think, like, um, 
my favorite thing is is the the gun sound effects i think they're they're pretty excellent um the shotgun especially um well i know we're going to get into this later on but i think it's very telling that the shotgun has kind of become like this game's like default weapon like the the regular shotgun i should say rather than starting you out with a pistol that you never use again it's like no we're going to let you use the shotgun first because yeah. this this weapon uh, epitomizes everything in terms of the game's kind of aesthetics mm. and sound design and gameplay etc cetera, etc cetera. but specifically the the punch that you get with that that blast and then also the grenade launcher that to that you can attach to it, yeah. and then the never the stops auto- being useful. Yeah, yeah, and and also just the the fudding of the uh, rotating shotgun blasts as well. It's just it's really really uh, well designed. It's not quite you know it's not quite in the realms of something like Half Life Two for me, where mm-hmm. like yeah. the sound effects are like permanently in my brain and like gotcha. forever yeah. ringing around. But they're just they're really effective and they're really punchy. It ended up being one of those games that I. I ended up having to play with headphones on. Um, yeah, yeah. Especially towards the end, those last couple levels with some of the encounters, you have a couple marauders in a room, and and the, some of the the audio cues for attacks when you're uh, like when you're dodging those uh, those axe attacks and yeah. uh, becomes really almost for me it was almost essential. But but because of that, I got to hear a lot of those combat rooms, and it really did help me know what direction attacks were coming from and and, and that's something we kind of take for granted now with a lot of mm. video games is that you can yeah. put your headphones on and kind of get that stereo sound but in this game in particular with some of those rooms i could if, if i could hear there was an enemy behind me i knew not to backdash you know that those types of things and um that did make my it really improved my experience and also made me better at the game um but uh but yeah the sound design is pretty it's pretty top notch which brings us on to the music, uh, also an accompaniment to virtually all of the action is Mick Gordon's new OST. Uh, a couple of pieces return or are refrained, but generally it's uh, it's all new stuff. Magical Isopod from our forum says the music does a great job of moving the Doom Train along when it's pulse pounding hype. It's also aggressive and threatening when it's slower and contemplative. It's also grimy and dread inducing. And as I say, I was particularly taken by the the alien planet, uh, which I've forgotten the name of the planet because noun soup. But uh, Urdak, is that right? I'm thinking that sounds like it. Yeah, uh, I thought that that was a, a particularly because we know Mick Gordon can do other kinds of music other than that sound that we the you know, the heavily treated kind of um, thrash metal of uh, of doom. But uh, but he gets to he gets to do some other mood pieces here. Uh, there's one piece in this which I think is the sort of the the BFG patrol of this game uh, that uh, that plays in quite a lot of the major fight scenes, which I thought was just absolutely superb. Maybe not quite up there with BFG patrol, but uh, but in that in that realm. Uh, and uh, yeah, there's some. I think there are some combat pieces which are, are slightly less memorable than others. But again, uh, it's we'll talk about the acrimony after you've given your opinions on the on the soundtrack but it for me it's a it's a worrying thought that there there won't be mick gordon doing doom in the future i can't really imagine doom without mick gordon's sound um it's 
he so keys into the identity, even here where I feel that the identity of Doom Eternal is a little confused, he still managed to keep pace of it. Like, I feel like a mm. lot of the tracks he has for uh, all the different environments, as like wide and varied as they are, feel tonally appropriate. And even if the art direction and the kind of tone of the game is inconsistent, he manages to kind of weave a consistency through his music that's really, really impressive. Um, and yeah, I don't know what they're going to do without him going forward. Yeah, the situation seemed pretty ugly. Um, yeah. And yeah. it got ugly quick. And I just yeah. remember kind of the discourse at the time, like like everybody, it seemed like, and I know this will shock you considering the internet, um, but it seemed like everybody was looking for somebody to be mad at. Of course, <laughs> um, of course, about it. Uh, but it did. There are yeah. indeed two sides to every yeah. story, including yeah. this one. So yeah, the the long and short of it is, uh, the soundtrack was released, and people said that the tracks didn't sound that great, or they didn't sound like they had done in uh, like uh, like. I think there is a reprise of of BFG Division. Uh, it was released as a digital download in in the April. Uh, yeah, and uh, fans notice differences between the soundtrack album and music in the game, such as the large amount of compression on the track BFG Division 2020 compared to the 2016 version. Mick Gordon confirmed on Twitter that he only mixed a small number of the tracks, such as Meat Hook and Command and Control. Metadata seems to suggest that most of the soundtrack was mixed by id's audio director, Chad Mossolder, who was uh, responsible for all those uh, sounds we were talking about i think for this reason mick gordon stated that he doubt he doubted he would be working with id again in may 2020 marty stratton of id released a statement on reddit saying that gordon was given extensive time to mix the tracks when gordon did not complete the mixing before the soundtrack release deadline stratton suggested collaborating with moss holder which gordon agreed to Gordon sent Mossholder about 12 finished tracks. Mossholder mixed and edited the remaining songs together from in-game assets, which were more heavily compressed to compensate for the other in-game audio. Stratton later wrote that it would use a different composer in future. Wikipedia filling in the gaps there. So, I mean, it, we obviously we don't know, but it does sound rather like Mick Gordon was given a deadline that he didn't meet. And then he was unhappy when the soundtrack was released at a standard that wasn't to his liking um but whether there's more to it than that we don't know is it possible that they could patch things up don't know uh, time heals a lot of wounds yes yeah, so, that so is money sometimes quiet paul from the forum on this acrimony says what is not my cup of tea is the apparent mob mentality formed by under-informed fans of the headline music producer Mick Gordon following his rather public strop that id Software mistreated the OST by putting in the mixes of another musical in engineer, Chad Mossholder. Gordon distanced himself from Chad's work, leading to frustrated fans taking to social media to vent all over id and Chad, as I guess they are entitled to do. Mick, doing nothing to stem this flow with more detailed information, forces id to set the record straight with their own statement. From an employee point of view, when given a task to do that I've agreed to do with a deadline, I meet that deadline. If I'd asked for more time, I certainly wouldn't be granted an extra month. I'll reel my neck in slightly as I don't produce music and have no idea how long that actually takes, but both id and Mick seemingly agreed that the original deadline was realistic. As a manager... If I give someone a task and they're struggling, I would definitely help them out by sending in another employee. Teamwork makes the dream work after all. So let's get into the meat of the gameplay and meaty it is. 
both in well <laughs> in, in sense of uh, flying bits of viscera and the amount of systems and controls that you'll need to use uh obviously those of us who played on console will have played with uh, xbox controllers in each case josh has, josh <laughs> has played with mouse and keys although of course you can whack a controller into your pc and and i assume that it does the, the usual thing of just mapping in the same uh ui for a controller so this game is as we say it's it's unbelievably intense when the combat kicks off and it ramps up throughout the game as we say there's multiple difficulty levels as is traditional with uh, with doom and and many other games of course but uh but we've already discussed that darren had to crank it down from his usual position. We've already mentioned the fact that this game has one-ups and you can actually farm one-ups by going through levels and rack them up to uh, basically, yeah, just keep on fighting through a fight, dying like in an old arcade video game, effectively. Or like Mario. Or like Mario. Although with Mario, you kind of, you're still checkpointing in a lot of traditional Mario games. Whereas in this... When someone jumps on a Koopa a hundred times to get the one-ups... They're farming yeah. one-ups. Oh, I see. Sorry, yes. I meant as in, yeah, using them. It's more like in, uh, say, a game where you, say, an old scrolling shmup, you would die mm. and your ship would fly back on the screen from the back of the screen to carry on shooting while being invulnerable. It's the 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 being the dying mechanic in this is more like that. If you're out of lives, you're back to the checkpoint, of course. Uh, you can, I think, can you, there's a lot of options in this game. Can you, I think you can possibly even turn the one-ups off to play it. Or there's a mode where you where you have a limited number and no collectibles. Yeah, I think you... it's a mode. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember though exactly what it's called. But yeah, I think it's a mode that turns off one ups and maybe some ammo things too. Like either you can only get ammo from chainsawing or vice there's, versa. There's one of the like cheat that. discs is uh, is the famine one where you um, where you can no longer get as much if or if any um, right. health from enemies. That's which right, obviously yeah. just make it really, really, really hard. What is cool, though? Well, I think it's cool from an accessibility point of view and also from a play games how you want point of view. You collect these discs. They're hidden throughout the levels. If you collect all the cheat discs, you unlock a uh, a version of Doom that runs as if it's running on an old PC, which I think is quite nice. It's like there's about 25 frames a second, uh, unlike the versions that you pay for on the downloadable store, which hmm. are a bit bit flashier. Uh, and there's also a code which you just look up on the internet and put it in and get Doom 2. So, yeah, bonus games within games. But cheating in this game, using those collectible cheats, does not disable anything, progression or achievements or trophies. Yeah, Yeah. I think that's super awesome. There there was not a time I sat down to play my shareware version of Doom um, when I was a kid that I didn't immediately IDDQD, IDKFA, all right, let's go. You know what I mean? Like, it just... It just what I that's the way I played original Doom. So having that option there, I think is really yeah. cool. I mean, I I used to play the the PS one version of Doom and Doom two and Final Doom, and uh, in that game there was no quick save, and you could only all you got there was no memory card, so all you got was a password at the end of each level. So you had to get good uh, back in the day, which which I did. No, I think there were cheats, but I did I never put in uh, God mode or IDKFA or any of those. Uh, so, but yes, your skills at Doom ninety three, ninety four, ninety five are will not necessarily stand you in that good a stead here. Uh, this is the first Doom game without the pistol that you never use. Uh, it was in the game, but they 
cut it out, presumably he because... He could have just thrown it away or something in the cutscene. Like, like, like just chuck it down the toilet or like something. Like Luke's lightsaber in The Last Jedi. Just kind of... <laughs> Uh, so yeah, the, the, the arsenal that you're given in this game in terms of, yeah, the number of things you have to think about, the number of things you can select off your weapon wheel and the number of different buttons that you have to utilize at any point. You've got eight weapons, including, uh, nine, including the unlockable unmaker, which is actually more like an alternative fire mode for the BFG. Each weapon has two alternate fire modes all upgradable multiple times. You also have your chainsaw. You now have a, a shoulder-mounted flamethrower. You have a wrist-mounted blade, although really that's just kind of there for giggles. It's part of your glory kill. Mm. Uh, you have the blood punch, which is another kind of melee. Again, not a different <laughs> control for that. But you've it's got a great a, name. It's a great you, name. <laughs> yeah, you, you need to know when it's charged. You can upgrade everything, by the way. Uh, two types of grenade, a regular frag and an ice grenade, which freezes things and then you can smash them. And later in the game, you unlock the Doom Blade, which is a one hit kill sword, which can only have three charges mm -hmm. in it at a time, yeah, I think right. it is. Yeah. And uh, it's basically a, a red lightsaber. Just a melee BFG in it. That's what it is. Yes. Yeah. So... I, I, there's a lot. There's too <laughs> yeah. much. There's too much. There's a lot yeah. going on. I love. I love weapons. Like Perfect Dark had a hundred guns. It didn't, but it had. It felt like a hundred guns, and each mm. had an alternative fire mode. But I felt like I was more in control of Perfect Dark's weapon set than Doom Eternal's, which only's got you know eight, nine, ten, and they've all got mods and interchangeable mods that you can then upgrade the thing and press the other thing in the in the. I just up. Oh, there's just so much going on that it took me until my first playthrough to then start it again to go oh yeah that's how it yeah that's what they that's what they wanted out of this game because like yeah. when you when you first play it it's like tutorial bling you're like okay right i've got a thing i forgot flamethrower okay i've got flamethrower up here cool why did he have that and bling here's another thing you're like what's going on and then they just keep piling things on and on and on to the point where no matter how many times i went into the pause menu to change the mods and upgrade my suit or i don't know like my, my the guns or the other things so, you know there's like perks there's abilities there's mm -hmm. mods there's pr prayer token prayer tour i never know how to pronounce it token yeah. i just i just think Runes. What? There's, there's all sorts and it's just like there's I, a lot they've got like four games <laughs> yeah. worth of like tech trees going on here and yeah. you know they're all useful you know i chose the ones Essential. that are yeah i, I think yeah. you know they're great but i just kind of wish it was um wasn't so hard to like read it's not very legible to the yeah. eye i think that this is another another example of them taking the positive feedback from 2016 and then going a little bit too far so the glory kill system in 2016 was you know a huge re you know a huge part of the reason why that game was so well received like it felt like a really cool mechanic that fitted in with Doom's more aggressive style of play, and it got you into the thick of it. It got you, um, you know, uh, going toe to toe with enemies instead of you know keeping your distance, and stuff like. So the chainsaw, like that, was in the original as well, and that yep. feels right. Like having one system for health and one system for ammo, that feels like about the right level of like resource stuff that I want to juggle in a Doom game. 
the flamethrower feels like a step too far for me. Like mm. the the need to also constantly be aware of armor. Oh my God. Whereas like, you know, in 2016, armor was a thing, but like there was enough pickups just in the environment that that mm. was that that did you that did you good. Whereas now it's nowhere near as frequent. And if you're not on top of it, if you're not on top yeah. of your armor, like you're gonna drain health so, so quickly. Yeah. Um and I just it I especially in the early going I eventually I acclimatized and got used to it but it was really hard to remind myself that the flamethrower was even a thing and the other thing is the, the grenades like grenades were in um 2016 did anyone actually use the grenades in 2016 yes, I'm just yes, curious yeah no, yes, really especially okay. especially in the wonderful add-on arcade mode because it was uh right was a multiplayer okay. uh multiplier pilot pilot because right. yeah. i i have to admit i i i personally just it never fit into my play style the mm. grenades right and suddenly like especially the freeze grenades given the amount of enemies that really they handy. throw at you they feel like a necessity they feel yeah. like you you need them um, and yeah, like Darren said, it like all of these things. I I, I don't want to sound like too negative because I think all of these things in isolation are actually really great. I think the blood punch is a a great subtle addition mm. to the melee system. Um, like the ice grenades feel great. The flamethrower feels great. All of this stuff feels great. It's just I can't hold them all in working memory, and that's a problem. We but, should say uh, most of this is on most of this stuff is on cooldowns. Yeah, uh, that's some what of them I was you have bring to. Up. Yeah, some of them you have to build up. Yeah, I I definitely think that they tried to balance like that triangle that you know armor, health, ammo stuff. Mm. Um, and it just it just wasn't balanced well. I'm I don't mean like the moment to moment gameplay that felt really good in moments, and and there was something really satisfying if you see your armor getting low and you pop that flamethrower, and then all of a sudden you know an imp just turns into this green shower mm. as he explodes and yeah, it's really fun and and it feels very good. But I I think I might talk about this a little bit more later. But like like in that ramp up to the end, it like to the end of the game, it almost felt more like a management sim in some ways. <laughs> like that, like granted, you're still running around and and trying not to die. But like it's 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 just like like which one of these <laughs> crises am I going to address right now? Mm-hmm. Am I address my ammo crisis or my health crisis? And what how should I do that? And like and. And that's some, this might be reducing Doom a little too much, but that's a little too much on my feet thinking that I want to be doing while playing this game. Like, I'd rather just be focusing on shooting the enemies and getting into good position and things like that, moving around, even with the new motion stuff, with the new dashing and stuff. I'd be fine with some of that if it didn't feel like I was always putting out one fire or another. Um, Hmm. And it just, to me, it just, it never balanced itself in a way that made me feel powerful. And that's what a way I want to huh. feel as Doom guy. I want to feel like I can just mow through everything. And, I recommend and I, going back to the earlier levels and yeah, yeah, playing powered yeah, up like, because yeah. it's a very different experience. I, yeah, I, I was going to say actually, like I think there is like the the kind of second third of the game is the is the strongest mm. uh, third of this game. I completely because agree. Yeah, it's it's the point at which. I had kind of got my head around all these systems, and the level of challenge was at a point where I did feel empowered, right? I felt like I was 
just skirting right on the edge of you know on the in that flow state right like just yes. right right on the edge of my ability but still still very much in control it's the beginning and the end where this you know the beginning it's just like a trial by fire because i just ah i have to remember all this stuff mm-hmm. and then at the end it's just like 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 you said Brian it's just like you're constantly chasing the the next emergency like my health is at 2 oh my god i need to get like a a glory kill oh that's my shotgun ammo gone and all these enemies are pretty much uh, unaffected by any kind of um of a weapon so i better get some super shotgun ammo it just it it like especially towards the end like that last section against the boss which i'm sure we'll talk about again but like it just felt too much and even with the doom blade which you'd think it would be overpowered it just becomes like this weapon that you pull out for enemy like there's um oh i for the i've forgotten the name of the enemy but the enemy that buffs everyone um yeah. the arch file that's the that's archfile, it yeah. the arch Create, file. creates like, everyone and buffs them i mean like yeah yeah that's that is a brutal enemy yeah 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 but like i i would never use the doom apart from the last encounter where it becomes like more generous with doom blade uh charges but i would never use the doom blade unless i knew i was going to use it on an enemy like that because yeah like the any other weapon is just you felt like it was useless against them because they're so like the mm. archfiles aren't just like they don't just like buff everyone they are intimidating and deadly in their own right mm-hmm. and you shielded just by have fire to, from the front yeah they hide behind yeah, a firewall you just have to remove them you have to just get them out of there ASAP. as quickly as possible as soon as you yeah. see the telltale sign yeah. that it's creating some enemies like yeah there was one encounter that i did get stuck on with one of those for a while and then i just realized as soon as you see that telltale there is an enemy being spawned in front of you in red you've got to find that archfile and take it down absolutely yeah i've definitely had many moments where i was swearing at the tv because it's just like how are they coming back and then there's just an archfile <laughs> uh you know just yeah. sitting in the corner like yeah. wiggling his fingers like the flamey fingers are going to bring the enemies back. And you're like, oh, yeah. all right, well, let's do Bad. this again. And they're sort of yeah. stoic. They're the sort of some of the least yeah. animated enemies. So they just look like they're just kind of like, yeah, whatever. Uh, what I want to say is, uh, and I completely agree with Josh, like the, my, the peak of my experience with this game was so far, definitely across like the middle third, include, and I include in that the point where I went back to the start of the game with my powers and Mm. lives and whatever else and went through the levels again. That was the point where I totally got into the the set of mechanics. I think we'll hear from some of our correspondents saying that this game demands that you play it on its own terms. While there is room for certain amount of improvisation strategy and and sort of free wheeling uh you have to embrace the mechanics of this game and if if like our first correspondent matt l i think it was you just take against the idea that any of this stuff is doom and you wanted something different then you're probably never going to like it but the the three games or three types of games that this game actually makes me think of as much as anything are all games that i really like some of which uh, I'm better at than others. First one, this game actually reminds me of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. 
because of the the fact that you get into a, a complete muscle memory routine mm. of using every button on the controller. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually not quite as uh, I find Tony Hawk's incredibly like I just tie my fingers in knots trying to play that game. Uh, at least I, I, there was a point in the past where I got semi-competent at it, but going back to it recently on the remasters and I suck again really badly. But I still remember that 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 flow of using you know your your brain and 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 hands just become in one symbiotic relationship with the game that's one another one is uh well a type of game i suppose but it's uh capcom platinum style uh character combat games like devil may cry bayonetta uh the combat arenas in this feel like that to me where you're literally grappling from one enemy to another actually it reminds me a bit of ninja theories dmc devil may cry as well in that respect uh in that again with that flow state and kind of actually dragging yourselves around the arena from from one enemy to another and i think again to to pre-quote one of our correspondents i think all all it's missing is a com is a is like a combo counter i completely agree absolutely stick one in i think it would serve this game really well they did it with the arcade mode in in doom Mm. Uh, 2016 and i would love to see it make a return here because it absolutely feels like a game that could benefit from a scoring mechanic and a, and a combat encounter to uh, me if the game started ranking me after each encounter though i'd just i'd feel so demoralized there is that <laughs> it'd be like d for dismal you're rubbish at doom eternal <laughs> turn it True. off loser but i, I feel that. like again i don't want to <laughs> over overstate myself because I did use, uh, for sake of sanity and time, I did uh, use the the Sentinel armor to get through those two final boss bits. But the rest of the game, albeit playing on normal, I think I've got pretty good at it. The other game that I wanted to mention is is a bit of a deep cut, but it is a game that's uh, also available on Game Pass. Uh, It's a game from 2018-2019 by the Bitmap Bureau. It's called Xeno Crisis. Uh, it's a top-down Smash TV Robotron-style arena shooter, but it's space aliens and space marines. The thing about it is, uh, it's one of one of my favourite games of recent years, and there's a mechanic in it that I thought I would hate, and I think some people probably do hate. And while it's not quite the same as Doom Eternal in that you don't have to melee kill to get ammo, you are always in this game lumbered with very small amounts of ammo. And one of the key mechanics is you have to dodge roll around the arena every few seconds, pretty much to top up your ammo. And I feel like I should find that really annoying and unempowering. But actually, I have played that game so much over the last couple of years. I'm way out in front on my friend's leaderboards on on both console versions that I've got. And um, for some reason, that vibes with me. So I guess we're going to hear from people who say, you know, not enough ammo in this game. But for some reason, that trick actually works for me i i don't know why it's just it it it, i get why people say it's not what they want from doom but it actually vibes with me quite well and there are some there are some encounters which just go on and on and on and on and i think it's deliberate it's deliberately intense and it's meant to be taking you to your but yes for i think for for a lot of people again we talk about people with limited time patience uh skill whatever um Luckily, all those cheats and accessibility options or whatever are in there, but mm. you can feel you can definitely feel like you're cheating yourself if you don't 
play it like obviously I, I feel like you feel a bit chastened Darren by the fact that you had to knock it down a, a notch and oh. use the use the sentinel armor now I know you're not you know you're not a a, a get good willy waver by any means mm. but but you've spent the last 30 years of your life playing these games at a certain level and then yeah. this one comes along and says nah <laughs> yeah harsh. I it's harsh I, isn't it it is you know it was a slap in the face and I kind of feel like the game's uh, the game was just like, yeah, okay, you, you, you're not good enough. Knock it down a bit, and you know, mm. I, it wasn't like I was like, mm, I'm not good enough to do no, sure, sure. Yeah, but it. I like to feel the extreme, the extremities, the extremities of yeah. a first-person shooter. If I vibe with the game's core mechanics, so like Painkiller, for example, I'd put that on very hard, and I'd just absolutely kind of immerse myself in how that game plays. Yeah. And same yeah. for you know, Goldeneye, Perfect Dark, Legendary and, Halo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do all that all solo, yeah, and stuff like that. And not because I get get my little badge out and go, oh, I'm the best, but it's just because I enjoy submerging myself in those mechanics and the enemy encounters that go with it. But in this game, it's just like, okay, well, maybe I'm either getting too old or this game really is getting, you know, that they are yeah. really pushing the boundaries of I think so. difficulty it just ca- for a caters for It caters for every skill level, I think. If you mm. include from the easiest setting, which I've not even looked at, all the way through to the to the top and the master levels, which I've not even looked at. Mm. I think you can play this at any level, and I suppose it's just yeah. about it's about yeah letting that that bit of pride go. So I feel I do have pride at my ability at this game, based on my experiences on normal difficulty. Apart from those bosses, uh, the Sentinel armor pretty much makes it impossible to die, as far as I can ascertain. Uh, maybe not literally, but. To all, to all intents and purposes uh but having said that yes there are some encounters later in the game and this carries on straight into the the start of the dlc you just it just it just is relentless it's relentless i, I mean it's, there, it's not yeah. literally relentless because it does relent but it, does, it feels yeah, it, it feels yeah. relentless yeah i i was when i played this game um i played through the entirety of it on normal um and and i was very tempted to use the central armor towards the end i ended up not uh using it Mm. And I remember when I finished that game, um, my my wife asked me, she said, Are you, did you finish Doom? I said, yeah. And she said, oh, thank God. And I said, oh, why? <laughs> She's like, because she, I'm not someone who yells and screams at games. My my rage yeah. is much more silent. Mm. <laughs> um, and uh, just and going she red. said that she, she like couldn't be in she couldn't be in the same room with me when I was playing that game towards the end. Feel because it. I just <laughs> feel the I, I just made it so uncomfortable just around me, you know, like yeah. and that's the way I felt like towards I, those those encounters and again, I I feel like I'm going to talk about the same thing over and over again. It's just but it just it it just is the biggest takeaway from this experience for me. It's just it was just too much uh, yeah. on every level and it just it really made me want to quit the game and I, I i'm glad i didn't i'm glad i saw it through and all that stuff but but i do not i do not look back on that time fondly what does <laughs> that know, um so. what does that floaty lady boss say when you go up to her? on maker oh Con yeah maker. Well, well she says something and i can hear the kind of the tone of her voice in my head just every time you Withering. grapple up to her and you punch you know you blood punch her and then yeah that boss fight for me was just like I just wanted to just tear my hair out because yeah, I, that couldn't, was, that was I couldn't maneuver the right stick quick enough to blood mm. punch her in the face. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's what a weird thing to say, but video games. I just couldn't <laughs> manipulate Doom Guy well enough to, you know, mm. to even play it on normal. I, you know, I, I use the Sentinel Armor much like I would use a gold Tanuki suit in Mario if I was struggling, you know. and uh, That's interesting because I, 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 
I, as I say, I, I did also, I didn't even know, my story is, I didn't even know about the Sentinel armor until you mentioned it. Mm. Uh, that I was struggling on the first Marauder fight. We're coming on to the Marauder. Amazing, we haven't even mentioned him yet. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but I got I got past it with, with no cheats, no help, no offer of, of Sentinel armor in the end. Uh, and then I got to this boss and uh, died on it three times. And it wasn't actually hitting her that was the problem. It was the the the, the stuff she also throws at you yeah, and like does to the lightning or whatever. Yeah. yeah, that just hits everything. But I actually didn't have too much too many problems. Uh, and like I feel like if the game hadn't, then after how many deaths said, "Do you want some of this?" And I was like, "Yep, I've got no shame <laughs> about that. Yep. I'll take mm-hmm. that." Um, awesome. But I feel like I could have done it with a lot of practice and patience and swearing, but life's too short, etc. Similarly, with the with the final boss, where, where actually I feel like the the icon of sin is a a giant screen filling affair, uh, a Titanic boss where it's kind of yeah f- flailing and wailing at you and also uh, throwing other stuff at you, and it that actually I just I mean bosses right, but it just kind of it knocks you about the level and starts taking your sort of actual amount of control away and things like that. So I just, yeah, just wasn't really, really into it. But yeah, we talk about boss fights a lot and how hard it is to make it a, a good mm-hmm. boss fight. And, and yeah. that's the, one of the things that I, f- I feel like Doom 2016, not to just complain, you know, mm. that got really well. It they were tough, I, but yeah, they were tough, but I, I enjoyed them. I felt, I felt compelled to try them again. I felt like I was getting better every time I died. And that uh, the last two of this game, again, uh, they just, it, I hate to say a game's unfair because you you know if that's the mm. way they designed it, and then it was fairly designed, but it <laughs> just it, it did make me feel at the player as a player that I was just under equipped and just ill prepared for every engagement. There's an argument just, that if a game feel like we we are obviously as a as an entity and and I think all as every individual pretty much we are pro play the game how you want, play the game on the difficulty you want, accessibility options, both in terms of yeah, different differing abilities and the fact that difficulty is subjective and so on and so forth. But maybe there's an argument that if a game feels it has to offer you an invincibility code when you die on a boss three times yeah. or whatever, maybe it's an admission that they didn't get it, balance it right. Mm, I don't know. Right. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like to- All of this talk about unfairness and stuff, I just... The prevailing thought is, I wish I had a mouse and keyboard. Now, I never really feel like that because <laughs> I feel like I feel like the game yeah. should be played on anything. You know, if it's designed for that box you're playing it on, then that's how you, you know, it should be fine. But the amount of times, the Marauder included, that I couldn't turn quick enough because of the the limitations of an analog stick. Yeah. It just yeah. frustrated me more often than not. It, mm. Look, to speak to that a little bit, uh, it depends on the encounter. So mm. the... the, the, the um, the uh, the penultimate boss fight, not the final boss fight. I did. I didn't f- struggle with it as much as it sounds like um, you you all struggled with it. Mm. But I, I'm mainly thinking back about like the kind of enemy types that spawn in that area. They're very reliant on you know popping them in the head yes. to get yes. all their ammo yep. and stuff yep. like that. And that's a lot easier on a mouse. Sure. Just mm. is you know. Auto aim uh, yeah. on by default on PC because it is on console with it, or, or it is if you have a controller, and it and it's quite generous auto aim. It's generous now. Sorry to step in, but it, the console version wasn't as generous on. I believe this to be true that the auto aim for the body parts now on the console versions is better. 
than it was when they I played it back. It. Oh, I really? Think, uh, okay. I think they right. have. That's the way. Okay. I was like, okay. I can now lock onto this. You know, the it seems pretty generous. Like, yeah. lo- lo- I use the grenade, the shotgun launcher on the uh, the shotgun grenade launcher a lot, and it feels like it makes you feel like a badass loads mm. because you. You you fire off one of these grenades and it and it more often than not seems to attach itself to something I you were vaguely chatting rubbish, but I think no, they've sounds, made the hitboxes like... larger or it it aims easier for you yeah. on on an update yeah. maybe. That's interesting, but um yeah just to, just to finish my point, I think that last that 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 last boss fight it doesn't matter um if you have a mouse and keyboard yeah yeah it just. It, it it feels like you're just overwhelmed by how much is on screen and like uh, like I remember because Brian mentioned boss fights in in the original uh, or the original 2016 mm-hmm. like the cyber demon like there was like a rhythm like it lent into that kind of the weird kind of like music game rhythm game yep. kind of yeah, quality totally. of of, yep. of doom um and it was a diff- like i you know that boss fight took me multiple attempts first time through that game but like nailing that rhythm nail like getting like getting that pattern down felt so satisfying the final boss for this game feels random and it feels like right. i achieved yeah, victory yeah, yeah. through luck not mastery mm. and i think that's the key difference is that that feeling of you know what if i were to do that you know right you know if i was to do that fight again right now i'd probably nail it again because i've got it like i've got it in my yeah. head yeah, yeah. i didn't feel that way with the final boss Sekiro at all. i felt like, uh, yeah. yeah i say having yeah. never played that but what i will <laughs> say is and I, and I do want to stress to people who are listening to this without having played the game i don't think that's true of the vast majority of the game i think that yeah, that yeah, is pretty yeah. much yep. specific yeah. to that boss like any all these relentless brutal intense frenetic arena fights they are i feel again on Agreed. the difficulty level yeah. that is right for you they they do feel fair and manageable and it is about prioritizing like this constant mental gymnastic exercise of of uh remembering what you need to which button you need to press next and and which direction it's it's huge it's like um i i'm glad that even at my advanced age of nearly 50 i've found this mainly exhilarating rather than exhausting uh ho- hopefully that speaks well to the state of my brain because i know some people are, when they get to this sort of age are almost like oh just can't be bothered with this anymore but actually for me it's uh you know i don't know what my game clock time on this game is but i think it must be you know 30 40 something hours now and uh and i gotta say apart from a few moments of frustration it's been a it's been mainly a blast but one of those sticking points and i know the actual rage quit moment for many involves one particular enemy who has gone down in the discourse online as being perhaps the most controversial aspect of this particular doom installment that is the marauder Uh, he's introduced as a boss fight and then becomes a regular enemy even to the point that there are two at a time i think there's never more than two are there i don't Uh, think so it's a sort of knight-like enemy. It has a energy shield. It has a long-range attack. It has a spectral orange dog that it can send after you. <laughs> and if you're at the wrong distance for, for, from it, it will hurt you. And it's very maneuverable. It flanks you very quickly. Again, it's probably an enemy that may work better with the mouse and mouse flick. I've got to say, we talk about using analog sticks, and I know there's a point where... 
uh, jacking the sensitivity of analog input up just becomes it can actually become make you feel a bit ill but that is another thing to try i suppose darren like as in crank the yeah. sensitivity up i also recommend turning the motion blur off the game because oh, okay. it really helps with visual acuity for me mm. i know that uh, our friend friend of the show digital foundry is brilliant john linneman is a fan of motion blur when used well in in modern video game graphics but personally I rarely see it. I, like, I get it. I get the point. Uh, it can sell certain animations and visual effects, but for a visual acuity's point of view, turn it off. Always turn it off. I think, but uh, it depends on the game. Uh, you know, case by case basis and all that. So yeah, the Marauder. Uh, Rich Uncle Skeleton from the forum says the Marauder in Doom Eternal almost made me quit the game. Not in its first appearance, which was pretty forgiving. Actually, that's where I struggled the most. Uh, interjection from me there. But when it continued to show up in subsequent encounters and insisted that I abandon the bouncy rhythmic combat and instead play an entirely different game. The Marauder is the kid on the playground adding new superpowers on a whim. They shrug off the Crucible, the, the BFG and the Unmaker and will only let you hit them if you find that Goldilocks distance between too far because he'll shoot axe beams and send his ammo draining dog after you and too close because he'll shotgun you. Eventually, I beat my head against this wall enough that Marauders became manageable, but never interesting. To, uh, or fun to fight which might be the only enemy in the game I could say that about even the hated Archvile had more to offer and I don't say that lightly I know there are some people who are somehow a fan of this guy because they think it added a quote Dark Souls element to Doom Eternal take a drink but for me that particular combination was orange juice and toothpaste Josh are you going to defend the inclusion of the Marauder <laughs> Yeah, it, it's funny because I, I have been quite. I, I'm hardly like a, a Doom Eternal, um, you know, Defense Force sure. member. Um, but like, I weirdly find myself on the other side of mm -hmm. this. Um, I don't know how much that has to do with the fact that I was using mouse and keyboard. Yep. I do think being able mm. to whip around and have precise hits on the guy when he's open for attacks helps greatly. Um, but I just found uh, the Marauders to be like this really interesting wrench in the works. And like the, like you said, Leon, the first encounter was by far the hardest encounter mm. for me, where mm. I was kind of getting used to what it was capable of. Yeah. But then once I had my head around it, I actually really liked it and it was always like an enemy I saved till last I'd like clean out the area sure. and then have yep. the kind of standoff with the marauder um and yeah like I enjoyed the marauder's presence on the battlefield way way more than the archfile for yeah. example hmm. I felt like the the constant constantly being chased by this thing that could wipe you out if you slowed down for a second, mm. help me kind of like help me get into that mode. You needed of, like, a firelight momentum up in this game, obviously. Yeah, yes. yeah, it wasn't yeah, enough yeah. to think about. <laughs> but you know, I mean, like uh, to to me, it fit. It, it, it fit with the rhythm of the game that I was used to already, and mm -hmm. it was just like an extra bit of pressure rather than... And it, I also didn't feel like I needed to prioritise the Marauder in the same way that I would do with an Archfile. Like, yeah. I could very much kind of wait until, like, I've cleared out everyone and, right, now I have free reign to take this guy on 
one-on-one. It's true. As um, long as you keep moving, he's not massively damaging. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Which is which is a key thing, because normally when you talk about difficulty spike enemies in games, not only are they really hard to hurt like this one is, but they also do massive damage. Well, this one will damage you, but really if you keep moving, he'll just chase you. Uh, yeah. So uh, you're... I, uh... I, I guess also I, I'm a big fan of I'm a big fan of enemy types and bosses that kind of get close to kind of simulating the the player character's kind of ability set. Yeah. Like I, I my favorite moments in like Devil May Cry Three are like the fights with Virgil mm-hmm. in Bayonetta and Bayonetta Two, the uh, fights with the the priest and and um, I forgot Dark her Samus name, but in Metroid. <laughs> maybe Shadow not Dark Link. Samus. Maybe. Shadow Link. There'll be Dark Doom guy in the next one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But like that that feeling of fighting an equal, I I actually re- I uh, when it's done right and and so he's um, not actually and, equal but he makes you feel like he is <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly exactly yeah. 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 like the the illusion of equal footing yes. i i actually find that really compelling gadget 8 bit from the forum says the marauder kills the flow of the game at every appearance and simply isn't fun to fight says gadget 8 bit if i met him in a dark souls game take a drink i'd have a great time knocking seven bells out of him but this is doom precision frame perfect timing and invincible dent enemies aren't in doom's dna another person who supposes they know more about doom's dna than the creators of doom hmm. <laughs> i don't mean that that sounded really harsh but uh I think, you know, it's, it's up to the game's developers, really. But yes, obviously, the people who make this Doom are not the people who made Doom 1993 for era. It's true. But here's Magical Isopod from the forum to tell us. I want to highlight something about the much maligned Marauder. He's actually super easy to deal with, but the game does a really poor job of explaining how. Basically, he's designed to force you to learn to hot swap. If you wait till his tail, those green flashing eyes, immediately hit him with the super shotgun, hot swap to the ballista, fire. Repeat for two or three cycles and he's dead. I almost have to wonder if it was intended to be a Demon's Souls take a drink style community discussion topic because nothing in game tells you or even hints at how effective this strategy is. You know, he's also got an orange dog. Like, come on, man. Like, you've got a shield. He doesn't need you've a dog. got a dog. I can't freeze you. What, I can't blood punch you because you've always got this... Sh- Josh I, is I, right. I like Save him till last. <laughs> and obviously, if he's on his own, there's you. Uh, there's always one or two, uh, you know, dumb lower tier mobs there to get ammo and health off if needs be. But save the Marauder till last uh, and then do exactly what isopod describes there and it's actually it's true like you don't want to be that guy it's like all you have to do is be absolutely amazing at this game and then it's really easy it's not that he is actually he wants to be that guy he's 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 actually he is actually quite beatable once once you've had a few goes at him hmm. and you and you know the routine uh and i actually that i found a couple of other ways of dealing with him fairly effectively albeit in a much messier way which is uh, shooting rockets at his feet behind him. Mm-hmm. So it does dam- damage. Splash damage, yeah. Mm-hmm. It ta- takes a lot longer, but uh, it means you can keep your distance. But yes, hot swapping. So on the console, it's holding the right bumper, select your gun, hold the right bumper, select the other gun. And then once you tap right bumper, you'll just 
flick between those two weapons. And the the aforementioned quitting the game also defeats the Marauder rather handily. As, a, as the, the, the forum member said earlier, I just stopped playing it. You know, that's one way of getting rid of him. You don't have to deal with him then, just turn it off. It's great. On the bosses, Magical Isopod returns, says, while I appreciate that the later bosses are meant to be difficult, I often found myself frustrated trying to decipher their arcane mechanics, usually having to consult a walkthrough or Discord chat on winning strategies. So it's interesting that uh, while Isopod totally got the number of the Marauder, he also feels the same way as we do about uh, certainly the, the latter bosses, which are feel a bit random and arbitrary and yeah. uh, chaotic rather than something you can pass. And But then that's, there's probably them. someone else online saying it's really easy to beat this boss by doing this. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Everyone's probably got their own, no doubt. this is easy moment. And yeah, it kind of... I don't know, if we all got together in a giant circle, we could each explain to each other our yeah. impossible moments and then we could all solve it together, like a Dark yeah. Souls game. And then execute, if only it was that simple. But yes, we, I think it is, as, as I know, you know I'm, I'm, in terms of pure hand-eye coordination and reactions, I'm a very average game player, probably even more average than I was 15 years ago. But I... I still feel like this is a game where you don't, again, to play on normal difficulty, you don't have to be supernaturally gifted to to actually to progress, even without the cheats. Those master levels. So Doom Eternal, this is from the Doom Wiki, features master levels, which take levels from the campaign and remix them with new enemy layouts to provide a more challenging experience. At launch, the Ark Complex Master Level was the only one available with an additional cultist-based Master Level available to players who pre-ordered the game. The Super Gore Nest Master Level was added December 1st, 2020, and there are more confirmed to be coming soon, including Exultia, Doomhunter-based Mars Core and Final Sin. Has anyone dabbled with a Master Level, even just for research purposes? I admit to not having done so. No. <laughs> I got I got confused between the Slayer gates and the master levels, and I oh. thought they were one and the same. Oh. I, I like the, I like the Slayer gates; they yes. were fun, but they were yeah. just like a combat arena that wasn't part of the level. So yes. it was fun, but I just felt like it was kind of just more fighting. But the master yes. levels, no, I I couldn't handle much more Doom Eternal after the uh, mm. the lengthy campaign. Yeah, Slayer gates are, are purple ish doors and there are purple ish keys mm. they're scattered throughout the main campaign levels and each one completing each one gives you a, a key and once you collected all the keys you shove them in a thing in your spaceship hub base where you keep all your guitars and records and you also unlock a nice new gun Truck Kurt from the forum says I was a huge fan of Doom 2016 so I was very much looking forward to Eternal Upon release, though, opinions from critics and my Twitter sphere seemed mixed, with some claiming it was very different to 2016 and not in a good way, so I decided to hold off until it was a little cheaper. Late last year, though, it came to Game Pass, so I decided to play it over Christmas. Thankfully, I am one of the people that had a superb time with the game. I've read the criticisms of the combat regarding enemies having weak points, lower maximum ammo, more emphasis on resource management, and all those things are true, but for me, they weren't criticisms. They just added an extra dimension to the already glorious combat of Doom 2016. The combat demands so much of the player, and I had to really concentrate through every encounter. 
I couldn't simply point and shoot like in other FPS games, but I loved that about the game. However, I would be critical of the platforming. I understand that it was a way to slow the pace down in between the chaotic fights, which would leave you heart pounding, but they just weren't very good. I also felt that the pacing wasn't as tight as in 2016, with the second half dragging for me, particularly the last level, though I did enjoy the last couple of boss fights. So while it didn't eclipse Doom 2016 for me, I wouldn't consider it a disappointment. Yeah, another aspect, probably the most controversial, along with the Marauder. I mean, the, Doom 2016 had its platforming, but I think hmm. here what people are mainly referring to is the the bits where you're kind of expected to double jump and air dash to the limits of your character's ability and then mm. cling on to platforms that fall off and jump away looking for the next one. I got to say, uh, when I first saw this in uh, like really coming to the fore, it's a level where there's literal Mario style flame pipes and yeah. stuff you know like yeah. spin it and yeah. i just thought this is hilarious and really stupid uh and i did have some incredibly frustrating moments with with the platforming but again now i pretty much nailed it like i i revisiting the levels most of those seemingly there's some bits where you just think there's no way i can jump that far and make it onto that ledge after jumping on those pipes and so on and so forth but actually I, I'm, I'm at the point where I find it fairly straightforward most of the time now. But is it, yeah, does it belong here? I don't know. I think the reason why they put it in was one of the complaints about 2016 was it kind of got a bit repetitive towards the end. Um, and there was a like a, a lack of variety in terms of the way the player engaged with the game and it f feels like the platforming is in there as kind of like so, trying to fix that problem of like giving giving the the player some variety in terms of their interaction and and pacing and stuff but it it just it does feel a bit silly and i'd kind of rather i'd rather just have quiet time like the stuff that yeah. kind of Darren was asking for previously in in this recording just like let me just wander around and there's no enemies or anything to do whatsoever and it's just soaking in the world. I don't it it feels like again I mentioned with the worms like they're afraid that I'm going to get bored. This this kind of and I I never really struggled with this. I don't think this the platforming is really, you know, it's nowhere near as challenging as the combat is. Um it's it's perfectly fine. It just kind of feels like I, I it, this isn't Mario. Why am I? Why it am really I doing Mario? Mario it just times, yeah, yeah, and mm -hmm. it just feels out of place rather than like I don't think it's bad or anything. It just it kind of feels out of place. I, you know, Doom and Quake. Well, less so Doom, but more Quake. The jump pads in those games are just so much fun to use. So I can see why putting more jumps in Doom would be a good idea on paper. But when it comes to it, I'm just a bit like. Right, I need to double jump, grab onto a floating platform that's going to turn red and it's going to disappear like in a platform game like Donkey Kong Country or something. Mm. And then at the end of the second dash, you pick up something that looks like a piece of yarn from Yoshi's Woolly World and you can dash <laughs> some more. It's just like, yeah. what are they doing? Like, I just don't understand the reasoning for 
having this kind of necessity to push everything to the extremes and even the dashing has that kind of notion of just like yeah just let's right, you've learned how to do it let's just push it over the edge and maybe that's one of those yeah sorry that's one of those great examples what i was mentioning earlier about where the game is just not even trying to pretend to be a real no. albeit fantastic place yeah. it's a place where the mechanics are and yes there's a, a weird floating thing in the air for you to boost your jump yeah. with it's just yeah really weird yeah well, that's the thing. I I might be the the one person on Earth who who liked the platforming in Doom Eternal, um, but I do completely agree that it's it's utterly out of place. It feels like it could even be in a different game somehow. Mm. But I do just love moving around in Doom Eternal. I love jumping. I love the dash. I think it all feels very good. I also think like the way the Doom guy climbs on the climbable walls is yeah, fun and satisfying. Um, yeah, very satisfying. <laughs> like I, I really did enjoy those sections. And there, there were a couple times where I felt like I missed like mistimed one of the dashes and kind of fall mm. to your death. And mm. then like Doom guy just kind of gets warped back up. Like yeah, it's, it's very. It's not that punishing, is it? No, it just it's takes not. a little. And that's what saves it. Yeah, that was maybe maybe the type of relief I did want was something like that. But but don't get me wrong, it it doesn't it doesn't gel with anything else. Just kind of like oh well, here's one of these sections yeah. again. It doesn't. It's not like it they involve platforming with the combat. Like you know like, what's the game like? What the game is kind of more focused on. It is its own weird little offshoot thing in these little sections. But but I really did. I legitimately enjoyed running around there. So yeah. So I didn't. Yeah. And yeah. I did, whenever I came across one of those sections, I was like, oh, maybe I'll find a one up or another collectible or something. Yeah. I I, yeah. I, I I didn't dread them or anything. Like a, a lot of people really did. But Kiss Mammal from the forum says, I enjoyed the game every bit as much, if not more so, than Doom 2016. I take issue with some of the complaints that each enemy needs to be dealt with by a certain weapon. I found there was enough flexibility and so many possible permutations of abilities, weapons and mods that it gave the player the freedom to come up with their own tactics. The scarcity of ammo really didn't bother me at all after the first couple of hours as the game clearly wants you to explore all the tricks at your disposal and not just spam the shotgun the whole time. I think the combat system is very clever in how it adds depth, complexity and variety while not sacrificing any of the visceral energy we as players expect from the series. As someone who grew up with the nightmare first person platforming of Turok and the original Half-Life, even that part didn't bother me too much. The lack of fall damage combined with the double jump and boost all but allow the player to fly for short periods anyway. I think Doom Eternal manages to tread a very fine line between being creative and experimental, but still retaining what makes Doom, Doom. Ultimately, I feel that people would have complained just as much had Eternal just been more of the same and not strive to mix up the formula a little. Uh, that's not fair to Turok. Those C buttons on the, on the <laughs> N64 controller were perfect controlling No mechanisms. feet, no shadow, I think. Was that right? Uh, yeah. The, the, uh, the, we should say the... Um, what's that company who's made the HD updates of the Turok games? Night Dive. Thank you. They've added some quality of life changes <laughs> to, the, to the modern uh, version. Impossible. Impossible <laughs> yeah. to upgrade the quality of that life. They yeah. failed to add an extra texture to the walls, though. That is true. It's <laughs> it's high res, but it's still only one texture. <laughs> uh, my overriding feeling, uh, maybe this is more for the summary, but I want to say it now, is that I don't think they should make another one of these now for a long they time. They are. They're, they're just splitting into two sections and selling it to you separately. They're, they're still making it. They're still making Doom. 
It's mm. happening this week or next. They're not going to stop, are they? Until they're told, especially now Microsoft's got their um, mitts around it. They're going to they're going to carry on. And, but um, yeah. I feel I, like I, they should make they should do Quake now. Yeah, yeah and yeah. make that a much slower paced, scarier, more traditional medieval. Yeah, yeah. Get yeah, the back. Dank yeah. underground. No kind of well, not too many acrobatics. No Mario platforming. Uh, less goofiness and yeah, bring back the rust and the and the green goop yeah. and all mm. that. Mm. Old Bailey from the forum says 2016's greatest success was in making that old FPS formula feel relevant again, and Doom Eternal is the logical contemporary conclusion of that philosophy. It's built on the same foundation and its maximalist game design feels true to the spirit of its predecessors. But this time taking equal inspiration from the best action games of the last 20 years in the expansion of its mechanics. I understand the complaints that these changes have seen the game become a less pure shooter than its 2016 predecessor. That's true, but it's become a purer action game that at times closer resembles Devil May Cry more than its obvious inspiration. All that's missing is a combo counter. There it is. They haven't just made the game harder, but increased the complexity in clever ways, requiring your brain to be that much more engaged to where the game demands complete, unwavering focus. The result when you're playing well is that zen-like flow state the best action games induce, where the real world melts away. The new mobility options afforded the player in the form of the dash and the meat hook transform the feel of every encounter. It allows for the kind of high-skill manoeuvring that, when mastered, turns each arena into a playground as you bounce around at lightning speed. Collectibles and secrets have been better woven into the flow of play too, easier to find and often behind a small test of skill rather than obtuse puzzle solving that often saw me spend an hour in 2016 without engaging in any combat in a Doom game. Yes, the multiplayer is superfluous and the story is naff, but I'm happy to ignore the former and paid the latter about as much attention as Doom Guy himself. Doom Eternal is something we see with increasing rarity these days. A true skill-based, gameplay-focused AAA title built with a full awareness of gaming history whilst bla blazing a trail into the future for others to follow. The Easter egg returns from the previous game, just for fun. As with Doom 2016, I found this on IMDb Trivia. The reference to Terminator 2 Judgment Day, the film, if you fall in lava and stay in until your health depletes, you will see your hand make the thumbs up gesture before sinking beneath. JC Van Dan from the forum says, I bounced off Doom Eternal after playing the first four levels. There are many things to like about this game. It feels absolutely amazing to control and in 4K 60fps, it's a technical masterpiece. The combat is admittedly exhilarating, but I think too exhilarating. I find it so breathless and such an assault on the senses I can't really take it. It's the gaming equivalent of being smashed in the face repeatedly with a brick. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably why they added the awful platforming sections between fights, but this has just ended up making the game fall into the old adage long stretches of extreme boredom punctuated by moments of extreme terror. Another area I think was a huge misstep was the customization systems. There's just so much of it. There are a silly amount of ways to level up, and after four hours I was still mystified by the various messy UIs. I think they should have done away with the level up systems completely. This is Doom, not Elder Scrolls. 
All this said, I think for some people, this game will be like catnip. I know if I had a lot of free time, I could see myself having great fun playing this alongside other games when I was in the mood, as I did with Doom 2016. It's just that this sort of experience isn't really for a man who has a hectic family life and just an hour or two to play games right before bedtime. I hope I end up coming back to this game in a few years when life has calmed down and really digging the complexity of the systems and adrenaline rush of the combat. But for now, it's a no from me. Yeah, I, I resonate with the yeah. he- hectic life and no time. <laughs> yeah, That's the- what my life has become. We probably haven't. I know that some of the levels in 2016 were pretty lengthy, but we haven't perhaps quite. I didn't have a child then as well. Well, that, but I think <laughs> we, we perhaps haven't quite sort of uh, stressed how long some of these levels in. They, yeah, in I think I mentioned it earlier. They go on for literally hours. Mm. I wouldn't say I, I didn't find the UI. I really like the the look of the menus and stuff. In it's certainly again in the in the 4K ish version that that I'm playing. Uh, I thought the menus all look very nice. I like the look of them aesthetically. They're just they're just so fiddly. Like, so it's it's a green hexagon. Yeah. For what does that mean? And it's an orange one for what does that mean? And then you can press the left trigger to modify the mod, but choose a different modification for the mod mod. And it's <laughs> yeah. just like, what are you talking about? What's going That's on? That's true. Just- Suffers with its systems, I suppose, in that respect. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Yes, uh, the DLC. As I say, we've. Jump the gun in the sense that it's not actually finished yet, uh, but I really doubt very strongly that it would change our overriding feelings on the overall Doom Eternal experience. Uh-huh. As I say, uh, Darren, did you actually get through to the end of part one? Yeah, yeah, using the um, the aforementioned sense okay. armor, I did. I I did turn it off. I said I'm not playing this again. And then the mm. next day, I was like, No, I can't not finish it because I've got to the end. I have to mm. see it through. There's only three levels, and they're all about hour and a half, two hours long. So it's a good ch- you know chunk of game there. Yeah, it's it's got its own little hub world, which is completely pointless. It's like a smaller oh, version of the um thing in space. Yet. Yeah, I think it's after the first level, you go to like this mini version of it, and there's just people just chatting rubbish, and you jump for a teleporter to the next level. The blood swamps, is it called? That level looks probably the best the game has ever looked. It's oh, okay. incredible. Level like, two, like, so oh, I should play through to level two just to yeah. see it. Oh, well, I might wait for that. I might wait for that next gen update and then yeah. go back to it. Yeah. 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 And then I'll, I'll have lost all my skills and it'll be really annoying again. I just thought it looked stunning. Uh, it's, it's quite weird because they sell it as a standalone. So they mm. want you to do this tutorial that kind of boils it all down to very basic geometries. And this is how you fight. But we've just spent like 20, 30 hours playing the, the campaign. And right. then you step, you step foot into the first level, which is on a giant oil rig or like a series of oil rigs. And within four steps, you're fighting like a baron, mm-hmm. you know, and a cyber demon and a cacodemon. It's like, you've just told me how to play the game. And then you've mm. completely shaken the... The, like it felt like uh, how do I explain it but like uh, like a box of ants or something they're just shaking it up go it's just like okay but you just told me how to walk like uh, now, you now carry everything this. in from the main game as you well, do yeah, yeah so. it's just the um, I can't imagine you playing it for the first time dipping into the ancient gods uh, completely Before devoid of any doom eternal right? oh no be it a tells you how to play because they give you a tutorial why would they teach you how to I play they have to comp- they have to accommodate that but, but it would but, be but, a but, the first enemy you see is like 15 <laughs> yeah. everything it's, it's just same, like no yeah. there's no chill the yeah. game has got no it's like lead in do you know what i mean there's yeah. no smooth integration into playing it it's just like like a spike and it's just like wow that is and from what i've harsh. seen from level one the platforming is even more kind of 
demanding and, and precise. Oh, yeah, you have to uh, like punch a thing to make a, another kind of like cargo yeah. box swing down from That's miles right. away. And yeah, it's it's a visual treat for sure. But um, when there's a boss fight in there where it's like an arena, like a big circle, and in the middle there's like this thing you have to punch a cube into. There's a lot of punching cubes in this game mm, that are green. Cube punching. It's quite, it's quite satisfying. Cube <laughs> yeah, cube punching. But these, the, there's a boss fight where you have to... These cubes are now floating in the air and they split apart for a split second and you have to shoot the iron side to damage it. That's fine. You can do that. But then you've got all the enemy types of doom around you, pretty much all of them, all the mm. hard ones. Mm. And then you do the, what you do the one, you punch it into the middle and then it goes, how about do that twice? And you're like, uh, how about, no, thank you. And then you see so you're again. fighting. Yeah. And it is, it's so hard. It wow. is unbelievably hard. And I can't, maybe keyboard and mouse were, was better. I mm. can't, I can't say, yeah. but my overriding feeling for that DLC was just like, They've they've gone to twelve. Unbelievably, they went to twelve of it, and it's <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> Tempted, Brian? No, no. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, not with that description. Um, I uh, again, I, I enjoyed parts parts of Doom Eternal, but everything Darren just described uh, is not was Don't not uh, it, what I what I would go for. No. Yeah. Same. Okay. Magical Isopod says I picked up Doom Eternal at launch. And it was my 2020 game of the year. This was released right when the first lockdown started here in Ontario. And I was planning on saving money and holding off just in case. But luckily, I received $60 in Walmart gift cards from a survey panel I'd participated in. So I pulled the trigger. I really want to highlight how timely this game was for me. I lost my job right at the start of April, a couple of weeks into the lockdown, after months of abusive behaviour from my direct supervisor. A white knuckle power fantasy like this it got me through the hardest bits of coping with all that and the fears of what a lockdown and pandemic meant. The, this world they've made, the incredible art direction, the really diverse levels they've got on display here. I absolutely love it. Nothing about Doom Eternal is safe. Even during downtime, there's enough visual viscera to remind you that nothing here is OK. I absolutely love when media and especially games can combine sound and moving visuals to deliver these overwhelming sensory experiences. Doom Eternal stands in that sort of class, although its intent is perhaps not as artful. That's really what makes this game special for me, even when considering the smaller mechanical nitpicks. That and amazing quips like, you can't just blow a hole into the surface of Mars. Yes, I can, fella. And I just did. <laughs> I think that's the one cutscene I did watch. When he fired <laughs> himself out of a BFG 10,000. That was pretty good. Yeah, that's when the goofiness kicked right back in. Hmm. There's a multiplayer. Uh, mm. Now, yeah, maybe uh, we've. Ne I've never actually had this complaint leveled at the show. I don't think, but obviously, the, you know, they, they, you could make an argument that this is called Kane and Rinse. We should play everything to the nth degree, uh, but we don't always. Sometimes there's a mode that we just we're not interested in or whatever, uh, and that's where I am with battle mode. A new two versus one multiplayer experience, a fully armed Doom Slayer faces off against two player controlled demons fighting out in a best of five round match of intense first person combat. Now, it doesn't sound bad exactly. I can imagine it could be a laugh, but also how many games have we got between us that have what feel like superfluous multiplayer modes? It might be a work of genius. Yeah, yeah. Has anyone tried it? <laughs> yeah, I played a bunch of it. Um, okay. and I, I bounced off it pretty hard. 
Okay. Um, I was I was pretty excited about it going into it. They they talked about it a ton in the preview coverage. Like we're reworking Doom multiplayer. You know, Doom seventy sixteen multiplayer fell flat for a lot of people, including myself. They were talking about how they're making this asynchronous thing, and I'd played a couple asynchronous games that I liked. Like I played Evolve and liked it. I didn't. It, it had great ideas. I thought and and. And I thought that like there could be a future perhaps in this, and so I kind of came in okay. hot for the multiplayer uh, on Doom Eternal, and it it just did not meet any of what I, my perceived expectations. I'm not sure if that was fault of my own or, or what, but it just um, it felt it, it did feel very one sided. I know that sounds silly; it's a two on one multiplayer experience, but it always felt like if if you were the Doom guy, you're just you were just it was over for you. Uh-huh. Um, okay. And uh, and yeah, I probably put if I put five hours into it, that was a lot, probably less than that. Now that I think about it, but um, it it also felt during launch time that it was even kind of difficult then to find matches, and I think that was kind of indicative of how people hmm. largely felt about felt about it. Yeah, I think I booted it up and it, mm-hmm. it explained it to me in such detail that I was bored by the end of being explained to. And then I tried to look for a match and it didn't find one. So I didn't really have a chance to play it. See, this is weird, isn't it? So following this up, we've got this news story from just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it was first in the NME. The New Musical Express now has gaming news, probably has done for a while. Doom Eternal reportedly earns $450 million in nine months, according to a former employee who worked as a, quote, monetization designer. The game's reported revenue was shared on LinkedIn by a former id Software employee who served as the game's monetization designer. The profile was taken down, but was captured and shared on Reset Era. Per the screen grab of the profile, the developer spoke of their resume and included a bit that reads, One major focus was Doom Eternal, which generated over $450 million in revenue in the first nine months of release. Neither Bethesda nor id Software have responded to the claims. However, the studio did confirm last year, albeit with the absence of exact numbers, that Doom Eternal had enjoyed the biggest launch in franchise history. Uh, I mean, is that including? Uh, is that uh, obviously they're you know they're they're writing a resume, so they'll you know it it could be. Uh, polished up you know it could be it could be a, a, an inflated figure it could include every single copy they could it could include the amount that microsoft at the time paid bethesda to put it on game pass and and yada 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 but what actually i've what what can you buy in this case is it all cosmetic vanity items is there like i honestly don't know i don't know yeah i would I, I guess i didn't ever engage with that side of it um yeah See, that would imply, if it's that, then that would imply that people are playing the multiplayer, yeah. but I'd never seen or heard anyone talking about it. So, but when you talk about a monetization designer, surely you're talking about microtransactions and, and in-game purchases rather than selling a big box game for $60. Uh, well, according, uh, I mean, I'm just, I'm reading right now um, mm-hmm. that it does not have microtransactions. Um no, I don't. I don't remember seeing any being yeah. touted to me. So the the front end, you've got uh, you've got quite a fun sort of vignette of your of your Doom guy, and you can paint him in, or, or you can select one of the enemies from the game. Uh, you can choose skins and poses and and whatever else. I think there are emotes and and stuff for in the game, but uh, 
Yeah, I don't oh, remember yeah. it trying to sell no. me stuff. According to this uh, the, this little article I'm reading here, very much on the fly, uh, it said that the $450 million apparently was just from sales of the game. Right. Um, yeah, so I guess I guess no microtransactions. Aside, um, interesting. Which is, yeah, that is interesting. Well, whoever's interviewing that person should say, well, you're talking about being a monetization designer. What, what did that involve? <laughs> Saying this game costs $60. Wow. <laughs> is it like... <laughs> Or uh, what a job! Maybe they negotiated the Game Pass deal before the Microsoft purchase of Bethesda. I don't know, man. Who knows? Interesting. Anyway, HMS Polio from the forum is our last long-form correspondent for this podcast. Polio says there's a wonderfully infectious exuberance on display throughout Doom Eternal, a breathlessly childlike, and then and then and then to it all. From the satisfyingly chunky and plasticky heft of everything, like heavy metal action figures being smashed together, to the thud and crunch of the sound design. With Doom Eternal, id Software seem to be fully leaning into the promise of their name. Everything is gloriously, hilariously over the top, using giant mech arms to blast open entrances, creating a bridge by punching a giant demon in the chest, and the Looney Tunes pop of headshots and Demon's eyes. The Jenga Tower of Mechanics is largely incredibly successful in conveying a barely hanging in there sense of excitement and tension, even if the sheer number of these mechanics becomes almost impossible to keep track of, frequently resulting in, for me, ineffectual punching away at demons without blood punch, smashing the flame belch and chainsaw buttons to no effect, or frustratingly getting caught up on some bit of geometry. But by God, it's so much fun so much of the time. From the low ammo counts to the environmental dangers, platforming and sheer aggression and numbers of the enemies, the game absolutely requires you to play it its way. And I think this is where it has lost people. The game wants you to use everything in your arsenal and be in a constant state of frenzied desperation. It desperately wants the player to have fun and is incredibly accommodating in its implementation of difficulty, cheats, kill switches like the BFG and Crucible and checkpointing. But... You have to play it on its terms. I'll be interested to see where they go with this, as I can't imagine how they could add yet more complexity to what's here without the whole thing falling apart. But what a ride. They mention the getting caught on geometry, smashing the flame belch to no effect, and you know the blood punch without any yeah. blood punch. Mm-hmm. They, they failed to... Um, submit the notion of chainsawing and then watching Doom Guy rip the cord in the chainsaw and it not working because you yeah. haven't got enough energy. And then you're like, that's that's valuable time wasted. No, stop trying to mess around with a chainsaw. Just chuck it on the floor for a minute and pick it up later. Like, watching him do that m- manoeuvre with the chainsaw is infuriating for me. And also, when you disconnect from the Bethesda servers, even though you're playing a single-player game, it just it completely interrupts the whole flow of the game. It pauses the game. You've been disconnected from the Bethesda service. Bethesda are really bad for this. I, I wonder don't... if I wonder if Microsoft will uh, now they own them say enough with this nonsense. It's, uh, it was so off-putting. Like it happened more at launch because unstable servers and all that. Yeah. But it was just like every time you got into the throw of combat, and you were like, "Yeah, Doom Eternal, woo! Oh, you've been disconnected from the servers. Like, am I mm. even connected to some sort of server <laughs> no. that holds no microtransactions?" Never happened to me playing it now. So. Right, three-word reviews of Doom Eternal. Gadget 8-Bit says, utterly dreadful platforming. Alejandro says, not enough ammo. Sura says, oh, look, story. 
Kurt Lewin says, Assault on Senses. Quiet Paul says, Hell on Earth. Magic Wisepod, Flaming Shotgun Hookshot. Scott Lamond says, Master the Controls. And Fernando Antunes, obviously a seasoned listener, says, Very, very doom. So to summarise, uh, not necessarily the usual thing I tried to do, which is an increasing order of enthusiasm, partly because uh, one thing we didn't mention at the start was actually this was your nomination for the volume, wasn't it, Darren? Sure was. Yeah. Sure was. So we'll find out why, I suppose, right hmm. at the end. But let's start with, I think, the person who may be the least enthusiastic, possibly, but I'm not sure. How would you summarise your feelings on Doom Eternal, Brian? Um... Yeah, I, I've, there's parts of it to like. Um, I, I always think of the in summary section here as like a would you recommend type of section, and and I think that there are enough um, affordable ways to to get Doom Eternal now, specifically obviously on Game Pass. That yeah, it, it's it's worth checking out. Um, especially if you're a fan of first person shooters, you have any reverence for Doom. Obviously, you've probably already played it or, or have seen some of it. Then yeah, I think it is worth playing. Um, I do think that there's I have more problems with it than I have uh, kind of successes to celebrate. Um, I I do still believe that the moment to moment running through shooting combat encounters, managing your ammo, and I think I think it's as uh, fun and engaging as a first person shooter can be when it's working well. I just don't think it works well throughout the entirety of the experience, and I think that. My my experience with this game is marred from the ending and from just the inability to compare it to Doom 2016. I, I really believe that a lot of the design philosophy in this game, while they committed to it and, and executed on it, did take a step back from 2016 into where I was hoping they would go. And uh, because of that, it's just Doom Eternal was a game that regardless of the pandemic and anything, I was going to try to get day one regardless because I loved 2016 that much. Um, if they did come out at a Bethesda Xbox joint conference next month and said, Hey, we're making a new doom game. I'm not sure that that is a day one purchase for me anymore. And, um, mm. I, uh, and I think it's just a bit of a misstep in a lot of directions, uh, with doom eternal, but that super shotgun, it sure is fun to shoot. So, so that there's the, you can't say enough about how some of that stuff feels always comes back to guns with you, Brian. Well, I am American. Exactly. I, mean, it's, it's, I think it's yeah. just instinctual. You know what I mean? Have I chanted USA yet? No, I haven't done that. Okay. <laughs> Doom guy, that all-American hero. Actually, well, he, yeah. he is American in this, I, I guess, based on the accent. Now we've heard him speak. Uh, Icon of Sin, PC Master Race, Josh. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, um so uh, just to to date this podcast a little bit um I've been replaying um the Dead Space games recently um and it's really interesting comparing mm. uh Dead Space 1 and 2 because Dead Space 2 is a very different game to the original but I think you know I I strongly feel that which game you prefer out of those two uh, says more about you as an individual than either one of those games because I feel like both those games ex even though they're trying for different things they both excel at the different things that they're doing um, whereas here with Doom 2016 and Doom Eternal 
Doom Eternal is trying to do something really different from um, Doom 2016. And, and to some degree, that's admirable. But Doom 2016 excelled, in my view, excelled at what it was doing. Doom 2016 is one of my favorite first-person shooters, full stop, right? It's, it's just, for me, it's like a masterclass. This is a very, very good video game that just doesn't quite compare for me. Um, and it's definitely, and I fully acknowledge, it's kind of like one of those bright lights cast dark shadow situation. If if Doom Eternal was just a game in isolation and I didn't have that point of comparison, I'd probably feel more positively towards it. But because this kind of idealized version of the experience exists, I'm way, way meaner and way critical, uh, way more critical of the ways in which Doom Eternal um, does fall short. I'm not against them taking risks. I'm not against them kind of moving away from some of the things that made Doom Eternal, uh, Doom 2016 mm. so successful. I just think less is more could have been. Uh, could have been a guiding philosophy with some of the changes that they made. And unfortunately, they just, as Darren said, all the way through this this recording, like they dialed it up to 11. They went all the way. And I think the game is ultimately lesser because they added so much more. Nicely put. And I think I'm coming from a very similar place. Perhaps not quite the revelatory breath of fresh air that Doom 2016 was in 2016. But I got to say, I still overall, despite some a few frustrating moments and misgivings, I had a pretty good time the last couple of weeks or however long it's been playing Doom Eternal. They really don't need to keep dumping more and more enemies into every single skirmish necessarily, but uh, in the latter game and, and in the DLC. But that's there if you want it. And there are ways around it with all those difficulty uh, settings, accessibility settings and cheats even that don't lock you out from the experience. But it is kind of a, it does feel like a shame that some of the, the, the elements of the game that perhaps have been more controversial and less well regarded have all these kind of mitigating circumstances and helpers while I approve of that philosophically, I also think that it is possibly a sign of a lack of confidence in certain elements of the game design. But yes, playing it on Game Pass, uh, I had no financial investment beyond my whatever a month it is I put into that service anyway. And uh, plus Darren bought the DLC part one. Thanks, Darren. Uh, and so it's one of those where I feel like I got yeah really great value from game pass from it and uh i was always going to play it in some form or other but uh and i'm i'm jolly glad i did a lot of the time it was a blast but yes uh, i think as with many many people apart from one or two of our correspondents i'd probably still be more likely to go back and replay the 2016 game and i don't think that is on game pass at the moment hmm. but but it should be isn't it I don't think it is. I think they've just added loads of Bethesda stuff, right? So maybe it's in there now. I don't think. I think that's one of the ones they left out along with the new what? Colossus, possibly. But anyway, it'll happen mm. because mm. it's a Microsoft Studios game now. So yeah, play it if you can. But yes, I'm sure it'll uh, it'll turn up cheap on other platforms and formats and in sales and whatever else. I think it's it's worth a go. But yeah, I think the key thing to remember is. 
the the points we've made and our correspondence about playing it on its own terms uh maybe that isn't something that appeals to you um and also that the middle third of the game as as Josh said is probably where certainly for me and him that's where it hit its sweet spot and uh the whereas the first third was a little whoa what's going on here and the last third is a little yeah everything's dialed up as we said to the proverbial and let's close with Darren because he chose this game for this volume mm. of the podcast. Yeah, I think I ended up choosing this game because we've run out of rare games, right? There's no more to That's dis- discuss. That's not true. <laughs> There's loads more. No, that was my back, pre-planned answer to this uh, tricky Back to question. ultimate play the game. That's it. Let's do it. Now, yeah. Um, yeah, I chose Doom Eternal for this volume largely because when I finished it for the first time in 2020, I walked away thinking... Wow, I've never enjoyed a game so much that I can't recommend to people. <laughs> and and that feeling alone was just like, what a mixed bag of emotions. Oh. Like I I blasted my way through it. I thought it was a a good sequel to one of my favourite shooters ever. Like, yeah, it didn't it didn't match that kind of hype or expectation because, you know, that's what happens when you play one of the best games your favourite games of all time. Then another mm. one comes out and you're like, oh, well, it's not as good as the last time I played it. But mm. I still enjoyed it immensely, but also walking away thinking, it's also a bit underwhelming. And I couldn't really wrap my head around why. And then the um, the notion of, you know, it going, oh, it goes to the end and then it pushes itself over the edge of the cliff, so to speak. That prevailing thought has been in my head since the moment I finished it. And um, yeah, I was keen to play it again. And uh, I think I ended up lent it to Carl Moon at some point and that like went to some sort of weird game in Black Hole and it came back about five months later and then I ended up playing it again I think that's what happened uh-huh. but yeah um, and then I played it again the second time on an easier difficulty and with all the weapons and upgrades and I found myself having even more fun this time around but also walking away thinking oh it's not it's not the, the best game in the world ever but I, I liked it but I didn't at the same time and I'm still really like seesawing on it on whether I actually you know, I think technically it's brilliant. Um, you know, you can't fault it. And it kind of fits in with my style of FPS game. Like I really like the um the, the technical, fast, fun and frantic games. And I do believe if I had a mouse and keyboard I, I would have a better time with it and maybe I'll be more of a champion for it, going, Yeah, this game is, you know, up there with the best. But they've added too much story, they've added too much this, they've added too much that, and I feel like at the end of it my head was just fit to burst and I was just like, I don't know how I feel about it. And even now coming off this two and a half hour podcast, I still don't really understand where I sit with it. And Mm. I don't really have that many, but when I finish games and a year later, I kind of know where I'm at with it. But after playing the the DLC, I'm still here just going, I just don't know if I I like it, but I don't know if I do or not. I don't really understand (laughs) it because it just, it goes too far. You know, like, um, I don't know if you, if you are the same, but when, when you're kids in your teenagers years, you have these friends, right? And they, you start like play fighting and it always goes too far. In my case, you know, some guy got kicked in the nose and you're like, whoa, that's too far. You can't mm. kick someone in the nose. Glory kill. Yeah. That, and then Doom Eternal does the same thing. Like it's all good fun until they take it too far. And you're like, actually, let's just stop. Let's just have a break. <laughs> Come back next week and we'll try again. It's kind of like that, you know, it's kind of a bit of um, a bittersweet relationship with Doom Eternal. And, um, but would I, well, Game Pass kind of changes it all now because, you know, it probably goes straight to Game Pass. But if it Software made another game and it looked like Doom and it smelled like Doom Eternal, I'd probably give it a go because I liked it. But also, I'd be a bit more wary this time. I wouldn't be diving in headfirst. I'd be like little toe first and see what happens. And then 
you know run away because it's too cold um yeah yeah I'd, i liked it but i couldn't recommend it for anyone really <laughs> <laughs> see what i mean i don't i don't know why i don't, I don't know why i can't recommend it it's, it's a mixed bag of emotions and i'm still here thinking well maybe i could play the part two dlc and see just see what it's like but also <laughs> maybe i shouldn't <laughs> because the last one was ridiculous a confusing game to the, a sequel to one of my all-time favorites and um that is a unique position to be in, and that's why I wanted to discuss it with you fine peoples. You haven't said over-egged the pudding at any I'd stage. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> we, were gonna go, we weren't going to say it at all. Oh, really? Because it, it was, it was going to be like, we were going to do it, it like was implied. In yeah, it was like the anti-Doom Eternal approach. We weren't that's even going to say it once. That's why you said goes up to yeah. 11 about eight times, because we, we were avoiding <laughs> yeah. saying over-egged the pudding. That's it. That's right. Good game. But also, be wary. Id, reboot Quake. Oh, yeah. It remains then for me, Leon, to thank Brian, Darren and Josh, Editor Jay, as well as our correspondents, and to you for listening. Next time, in issue 461, A School of Hope and White Wings in Hatterful Boyfriend. (laughs) 